jump right into the word this morning. Matthew chapter 21, Matthew chapter 21, for those in the sanctuary with us this morning, we're going to see where we go uh, together this morning. It is so exciting to be in this season that we get to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord next week, but before we do that, we have to always come and visit and remember Palm Sunday where it all begins. The week, the Holy Week is often referenced as this week that we're starting today. And there is so much we could talk about this morning. And I'm just going to do my best to encourage you. You may not hear anything new today, uh, but I believe that it's important for us to revisit uh, this specific passage of scripture on Palm Sunday because this really is a proclamation. It really is a prophetic fulfillment that was talked about throughout scripture that men and women was uh, told to look for. And this is just a whole current of events that took place on Palm Sunday that really set the stage for you and I to have the victory that we have today. And how many knows that we do have victory? Well, I got about five of you. The rest of you will pray you have victory before you leave today, all right? But maybe we need to break out the old song, victory is mine, victory is mine. But then all of you would be singing a lie, so we better not do that in church, all right? So, But uh, we do have victory this morning, and our victory is in Christ Jesus, and I'm so grateful for that today. But Matthew chapter 21, if you're able to stand for honoring the word of the Lord, I know you just sat down, but that's kind of our custom for the house here. But if you're not able, I totally understand. And please don't feel bad if you're not able to this morning. But Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse number one, I'm just going to read through and uh, we'll stop here in just a few moments, but a little more reading maybe this morning than normal. But when Jesus comes nigh unto Jerusalem and he's uh, by the Mount of Olives and he is with his disciples, we find in verse number two that he goes into, he says to into the village over against you, and immediately or straightway you shall find an ass tied with a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you will say unto them, The Lord hath need of them, and immediately he will send them. And all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass, and the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the animals to him and put on them their coats, and they set him thereon. Verse number eight. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way, and the multitude that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God, and he cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer. 
but you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and when they saw the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. And he said unto them, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And he left them and went out of the city unto Bethany, and he lodged there. For a few moments this morning, I want to talk to you about the arrival of a king. Dear Heavenly Father, once again, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your people. Anoint us this morning to speak your word with power and authority by the unction of the Holy Spirit. Let lives be forever changed. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord this morning. For a few moments, I want to walk through this story with you that many of you are probably very familiar with, but please indulge me and allow me to do that this morning so we can get to where we need to be together this morning. We see a city is in full swing. People are filling the streets and celebrating. It's a time of fellowship. It's a time of laughter. It's a time of great importance to the Jewish people. It was a custom that they always did this time of year. But travelers from every direction was making their arrivals. But on the outskirts of the city of Jerusalem, we find that Jesus is with his disciples. He turns to those that are with him and he begins to give them instructions as we read together this morning. Morning. He sends two of his disciples into the city and they return uh, with the donkey and her colt and no man had ridden her and we find that when they returned that they laid their clothes upon their backs and they set them upon set him upon the colt and in that moment of time there began to be something different about this season than any other season that it came before. They had always celebrated. They had always had this type of activity going on in the city of Jerusalem, but there was a noise that was getting ready to take place in the city that had never taken place before. And the reason for it is because that they had arrived at that time in history at a prophetic time of fulfillment. And therefore, there was a prophetic utterance that was getting ready to be set into motion and was going to be fulfilled. What is that this morning? If you was to read Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9, you will find these words. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. But notice, they knew he was coming. However, this is how he's going to arrive. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of her. What was simply saying is this, if you read Isaiah 62 and verse 11, it says, Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world, say you to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. We find that both of these prophetic utterances that was given by Zechariah as well as the prophet Isaiah, it sets the stage for what we are celebrating today. As he set up on the back of the colt and he began to make his entrance into the city, a great multitude of people began to give voice to this prophecy and they ushered in a day of prophetic fulfillment as well as a prophetic 
disruption. Let me make this statement to you and I this morning. When God begins to bring fulfillment to his word, it doesn't always bring peace. It often brings disruption. It often sets the apple cart upside down, so to speak. Notice with me today in Matthew chapter 21 and verses 8 and 9 that we read together. Let us revisit it for a moment. It says, A very great multitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from the trees, and they laid them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that continue in, cometh in the name of the Lord, and Hosanna in the highest. The cry was so powerful that it caused all the city to be moved. When you take this back to its original form, you find that there was such a crowd uh, and there was such a cry that this cry had such volume to it that it actually made the city begin to shake and quake, much like that of an earthquake. The sound began to shake the very city in the natural realm. We find that they had no idea what was happening other than that they knew that something and someone had just arrived. There was those that began to say, who is this? And I would ask the question today, is there a world that is asking the question, who is this? I believe we're beginning to see some phases begin to come back around in this manner because of what we're seeing in recent days. We have saw secular news stations and Others, uh, commentaries uh, uh, and commentators uh, began to write and give voice to the fact uh, that what is going on when you started talking about Asbury and many others where we saw there be a, a move of God amongst children and young people and all of a sudden everything begins to be disrupted and we find that everybody began to have questions and they began to ask who is this and what is this? I, I, I want us to understand that we find that upon his arrival at this time in history uh, that he came in a spirit of humility and we know that by writing what he was writing you know if you was in that season of time in history you would find if there was a man or a king that was coming and it was going to be a time of conflict it was going to be a time of war they would often come riding in on a stallion but you find that it was very common if somebody was coming in a place of humility or they's coming in a place of peace you would find them riding in on a donkey and we find that this is a prophetic fulfillment of simply saying I'm coming to bring about uh, and I'm going to fulfill that which has been spoken concerning me and you find in Isaiah chapter 9 verse number 6 uh, we find it says for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father and the prince of peace so we find that this uh, entry into Jerusalem, while he had came in and out of there multiple times before, he was making a prophetic statement that this is not just any man arriving, but this is the arrival of the expected king. Now, upon his arrival, he didn't go to the house of government, nor did he go to the house of idol worshipers or to the darkest places in the land. 
He did go, as we read together this morning, he went to the temple and there he began to remove those things uh, that were defiling the house of God. Can I remind you that the word of the Lord tells us that judgment always begins uh, at the house of the Lord. Notice in verse number 13 of Matthew chapter 21, he says, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Uh, But immediately upon their removal, he began to cast out the money changers. He began to turn over the tables of those that had sold doves and he began to bring a purging to his place. Uh, But upon his arrival, uh, notice with me, uh, the defiled place became pure and without delay, tell your neighbor, say without delay, without delay, the atmosphere changed. Meaning this, that when God does something, it immediately changes the atmosphere. Uh, Notice the enemy says, well, if you want to get victory, it may take you six months. But can I tell you, there's times we have to go through some things. But when God steps into a situation, it does not matter how impossible it may appear to be. uh, But in a moment of time, God can turn it around. Uh, Can I tell you, he is a God that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly what you and I could ever ask or think this morning. Uh, But can I tell you, upon this, we find that the defiled house becomes a place of purity, uh, and notice immediately things began to change. Matthew 21, 14, it says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Notice, uh, please, with me, the power of deliverance began to flow in the temple and lives began to be restored uh, and the chief priest and the scribes, they witnessed it at all, all of it at firsthand experience. Notice what happened. Uh, but something began to irk the religious people of this day uh, in a manner like nothing else. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, that when they heard the voices of the children uh, in the temple, saying, Hosanna, son of David. It was too much for them. Uh, Your Bible says that they were sore displeased. Is it any wonder why our children are under under such an attack today uh, when the enemy is continually pursuing them in every manner, shape, and form? It's because, can I tell you, out of the mouth of a young generation uh, is a perfected praise. Uh, And when there is a perfected praise, it means that there is a purity with it. Uh, And when there is a purity with it, that means that there is a a flow of deliverance. Uh, There's a flow of healing. There's a whole... uh, a flow of anointing uh, that cannot be stopped by the enemies. Uh, So can I tell you, don't you ever discourage a child uh, in lifting its hands. Don't ever think a child is taking away from a service uh, if they're worshiping the Lord. Uh, But can I tell you, uh, you should encourage those babies. And when I'm talking about babies, uh, I'm not talking about just uh, my little Blakeland here that worshiped the Lord with me yesterday. No, I'm talking about even the 15-year-old and the 20-year-old. Because can I tell you, uh, in the midst of their purity, meaning that they have not yet been so scarred by life and by issues like you and I that are in the middle age and getting older, uh, we get 
calloused and we become dull if we're not careful. Uh, and we begin to say, well, I would praise if, or I would praise if. Uh, but if you ever get a young generation uh, to begin to acknowledge the arrival of a king, uh, it begins to change the dynamics, uh, not just in the city, uh, but it changes the dynamics in the temple. Uh, and this morning, I want you to understand with me uh, that we can rejoice on Palm Sunday, uh, not because of what we see naturally taking place in the world, uh, but we can rejoice this morning uh, because of uh, 2,000 years ago uh, when there was a man riding the back of a donkey uh, and people began to say, Hosanna, Hosanna, uh, but even more importantly because some children had some insight uh, that this isn't just any man, uh, but there's something different about him. Uh, and when he walked into the temple and they began to see healing take place uh, and deliverance take place and they began to call out to him, uh, they began to set the stage uh, for there to be a moving uh, like had never been. Uh, can I tell you this morning, uh, you may have to forgive me why I get a little bit excited uh, because the arrival of the king has changed everything. Uh, it doesn't matter what the enemy says. It doesn't matter what he talks about. It doesn't matter how many lies he tells you that you're not going to make it or you can't make it. I've got testimony this morning from generation after generation after generation that when they said it wasn't able, there was a king that stepped in and he began to bring deliverance. He began to bring power. He began to bring hope in the midst of hopelessness. So don't sit there and believe what the enemy's telling you that you never can get beyond. But can I tell you, there has been men and women before you that had the same diagnosis, but God delivered them. They heard the same bad report, but God stepped in. They had all the same troubles, but God said, not today, devil. Can I tell you this morning, because he is present, you and I can still rejoice this morning. Notice with me today, we find that the religious folks in the church, they began to say, oh, we're, we're, we're really uncomfortable. We're, we're, we really don't know what's going on. We hear those children. But notice with me, his arrival caused many to become extremely uncomfortable. And many failed to discern his true identity. Can I pause this morning and ask the question today, do you? I'm not talking about anyone else. I'm just talking to you this morning. Do you truly know who he is? Do you really know? You see, it's one thing to come to the house of God and hear the stories. It's one thing to go through Sunday school and VBS and hear the stories about who he is. But do you know as an individual who he really is? Can I tell you, not only today is he my savior, but... I have to tell you this morning that he has been my deliverer. He has been my strong tower. He has been my hope. He has been my peace. He has been the way that I have existed and made it through things in my life because of the simple fact this morning that his word is still true. He is who he says he is. Please hear me today. There was many that was there at this time serving in the temple, doing the religious things of the day, but yet they failed to discern that the one they was waiting for, they failed to discern that he had arrived. 
I wonder how many times we've been asking, Lord, are you coming, are you coming, are you coming, and failed to realize he was already present. Just asking this morning. I share this story today with us because like then, I too find ourselves in a time, I believe, of great prophetic significance this morning. This is not a season or a time in which we have ever been, especially in the United States of America. Please hear me. But it is a time, not just for our nation, but as the nations of the world, that we have been warned about and we have been instructed about. And I believe it's important that we take pause and we visit that just for a moment this morning. Matthew chapter 24, verse number 4 through verse number 8. And Jesus is speaking and he simply says, Take heed that no man deceive you. Can I tell you one of the greatest things we're battling today right now is a spirit of deception. The enemy wants you to believe that right is wrong and wrong is right. The enemy wants you to believe that up is down and down is up. Enemy will even tell you this, that black is white and white is black. But here's the scary thing. People's believing it. Please hear me. We have lost our moral compass, but we have also lost our ability to think for ourselves. It's a very dangerous time, but the word of the Lord is very clear in Matthew 24. Right out of the gate, he begins to say, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. Can we pause there for a moment and just tell you this this morning? It's going to be all right for those that put their faith and trust in the Lord. So if you're trusting in him, listen, I, there, there's wars and there's rumors of wars and we're hearing the drum beats of wars louder than we've heard in many years. And we got a lot of people that's supposed to be intelligent that isn't very intelligent. I won't talk about that today. But it's very frustrating. But please hear me. See that you be not troubled. You know why he doesn't want us to be troubled? Is because when we become troubled, we become distracted. And when we become distracted, we no longer fulfill our purpose. Can I remind you this morning that you and I have a purpose? Yes, we are to do our political and have our political responsibility to make sure that we lead our nation in the manner that it should as close as we can to biblical values absolutely we have civic duties and responsibilities yes we do but our greatest responsibility is to do what the word of the lord says as men and women of faith and that is this matthew 6 33 seek ye first the kingdom of god you see when you become troubled you become distracted and he becomes not first, but he becomes somewhere down the list and therefore everything becomes out of balance and our lives become completely full of havoc and full of uncertainty. So he's dealing with the time. He says, listen, there's going to be many that come and say that they're me but, and they'll deceive many, but, and you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you not be troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So very clearly we know where we are today. We are in a season called the beginning of sorrows. And we have been in this season for some time. 
We look at the weather pattern just over the last few days. You cannot deny that we're living in that season. But I have to remind you of a writing that we find in the book of Titus chapter number 2, verse 11 through number 15. Let me just jump through it very quickly. We find this, that the word of the Lord simply says that we should be taught to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly. We should live righteously. We should live godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise you. Now, like then, I believe many currently really don't have the knowledge of who he truly is. But can I take a moment and talk to you? As well as I believe we have a problem with defiled temples, nothing is, regarding as, is regarded as sin anymore in our culture, and we're surrounded by those who are blind and lame with no concern for their condition. If we're not careful, we're going through the same motions that the Sadducees and the Pharisees did. But Jesus was so moved by the condition of the city and by the condition of the temple that we find if he was to read in Luke chapter number 19, before he arrived, he began to weep over it. And this is why he wept. It says, when he came near and he beheld the city and he wept over it, saying, if thou hadst known, even thou at least in thy day, that the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thy eyes. He said, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. He began to weep and cry because even in the midst of this shouting of Hosanna, 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 he realized that they was getting ready to miss the opportunity of their visitation. Can I tell you today, we're in a time of spiritual visitation. We're in a time that has been prophetically spoken of for many years. We find, just like other generations that go to the word of the Lord, they realize that there was a God that was still faithful and was still present. This morning, can I tell you, folks, do we know that today is really our day of visitation? Can I say this with all love this morning? In Romans 13 and 11, we find that we must awaken. It says, and that knowing now that the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Please hear me this morning. He is returning, but not as the Prince of Peace, but he will be returning in his glory as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. But notice with me, there is about to be a great disruption, greater than what we have ever known in our lifetime. But as we visit Palm Sunday, I think it's important that no matter what happens in the natural realm, we must come back to some simple truths that I want to give you before I leave you today concerning this very specific day. Number one is this. God's word tells us the people cut palm branches. If you read John chapter 12, you'll read that the branches they cut down was palm branches. But these people chose to wave palm branches and they laid them on the ground before Jesus as he came in. And I must remind you that palm branches represent and are symbolic of a few things. Notice with me 
They are symbolic of goodness and victory. And what they did not realize was this. They was making a prophetic statement that there is a arrival of goodness and there is an arrival of victory. Now, please hear me. If you ride a Bethlehem donkey, people didn't know, but Jesus had a different perspective than anybody else had that day. When he come riding into Jerusalem, if you looked down while he was looking here and heard the crowd and everything else, he knew what was coming in just a few days. And it was a reminder right in front of him that nobody else saw. Everybody else was saying, oh, the king, the king, the king. But he was simply knowing that the very ones that's saying Hosanna is the very ones that's going to say crucify me in about seven days. And he realized that, you know what, I'm not here to set up a kingdom like they think I am in the natural, but there's something in my future. And when you look down on the back of that little Bethlehem donkey, you will find that there is a cross right at the end of its mane. If you ever seen one, pull up a picture. Google is your friend. While he's just riding in Jerusalem, he looked down and he saw the cross. And he says, I'm going to lay myself on that cross in just a few days. But what they didn't also realize was this. That little donkey he was riding on its hoofs, you'll find that there's 39 stripes on those hoofs that he's riding in. It was going to be symbolic of the stripes if he was getting ready to bore so you and I could walk with healing and deliverance. Can I tell you today, nobody else saw those things, but he understood what he was doing. But what he was simply saying when they began to lay those palm branches out, he simply, goodness is coming and victory is coming. Not just any goodness, not just any victory, but you will find that Paul writes it in this manner in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 55. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? Can I remind you that he was setting the stage to come out of the grave victorious? You and I this morning, we can stand not in our victory, but in his victory. So I want to remind you today, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what you're going through today, he is our victory. Not just for here, not just for this moment, but for all eternity. Let me continue very quickly. Not only do we remember on Palm Sunday, we also know this, and we mentioned this in Zechariah chapter 9 just a few moments ago, but he chose to ride in on a donkey so that there could be a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy that he would come symbolically being the Prince of Peace that has been proclaimed that he would be. But then we find, and this is what began to cause the stir, is when they began to say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Son of David. What they were simply saying is, save us, save us. They was wanting to be saved naturally from the rule and the oppression of the, of, of the system of that day. They failed to understand that he was getting ready to save them in a manner that they could never really give voice to. Can I tell you, he simply says, I'm going to go beyond what you can think and imagine. We need a king, they thought, but he said, you need a different type of king. And because of that today, you and I have a king. There's many other religions that's had many leaders and you will find that their bodies are mummified or you'll find that there's still stones that have never done anything that they've bowed to and prayed to. But if you go to Jerusalem, there's an empty tomb today and our king is alive and he's alive forevermore. And because of him willing to go into Jerusalem in the manner that he did, 
and because he was willing to fulfill the task that was given to him, you and I today can stand and look through the pages of history and realize that just because there was a cross didn't mean it was over, but because there's an empty tomb, we know this, that he saved all who will call on his name. So no matter how far you feel like you're away from him today, if you read Acts chapter 2 and 42, whosoever, whosoever is you, whosoever is me, that will call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Please hear me this morning as I bring this to a close today. We must never forget, we must never forget that his victory produces victory for you and I even in this very moment. As they come to the music this morning, I want to leave you with Isaiah chapter 43 in just a moment. We find that on this particular day, there began to be such a disruption. There began to be a noise in the city and everybody began to say, who is this? They said, this is Jesus. He's from Nazareth. They began to say, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David. But today, who is he? Who is he to you? Who is he to me? I sincerely believe that we're in a season right now in the midst of all of the chaos and all of the destruction that we're seeing. And where we are finding ourselves in unprecedented territory in our nation this morning. And everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an ideal. Of how it should be or what it needs to be. and All of those things. I just want to remind us today. That we can't get our eyes on the disruptions or the distractions. We can't let our emotional being overtake our spiritual thinking. But we must understand that the word of the Lord says, don't let these seasons and these times trouble you. But just continue to trust in me. If I could say anything on this Sunday morning to all of us. I think it's important that we we be aware of the times and the seasons that we're in. And we pray for our leaders. We pray and we take authority and we drive back evil. We begin to walk with the authority that God's given us, absolutely. But we stay focused on what we're called to. I'm not called to preach my opinion. I'm not called to give you the principles necessarily that I hold in my life or my traditions. That's not what I'm called to. I'm called to preach the gospel. The Bible says that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That means this. If we allow the Holy Spirit of God to teach us and grow us and develop us, he'll do just that. And every one of us will be all right. We'll conduct ourselves in the manners that we should. We'll behave our, in the manners that we should. We'll, we'll do what we're supposed to do. We won't need to micromanage each other's lives. 
we'll also know what our focus is and our purpose is. My purpose and my focus is to reach one more. To reach one more. To reach one more. But even greater than that, well, that's what we're called to do. We can't be so focused on trying to do something that we fail to take care of the most important thing that God's given us, and that's our children and our grandchildren. We must reach our family in this season. Please hear me this morning. Disturbances and destruction is coming. Disruptions are becoming normal. We're on a fast track to a lot of uncertainty. Even this week, you're going to see some crazy things happen in our nation. You're going to hear all kinds of vile things. You're going to have everybody give their opinions. There is such a boldness of the enemy today. And he's shaking his fist and he thinks he's winning. But I have to remind you that on this Palm Sunday, we know who wins. If you've read the back of the book, you know who wins. And I stand here this morning without hesitation, and I will say this clearly and boldly, that God is not done with our nation yet. We still have a world to reach. And there are some amazing things going on in our nation today that nobody talks about. There is men and women that's laboring continually and are making a difference. So don't let the disruptions that us and all of the propaganda deflate your spirit. If you can't process it in a healthy manner, turn it all off and get along with God. Because you'll find out that your perspective's totally different when you begin to hear what he says about things. But I want you to remind you what the prophet said in Isaiah 43. This isn't man talking, but this is the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. Can I insert right here, there is getting ready to be a major bringing down. There's some things getting ready to be brought down. And it's not going to be pretty. And it's not just going to be things out in the world, but there's things in the church world that's getting ready to be brought down. And if you're looking at man, you're going to be disappointed. If you've got your hope in men and preachers and, and artists of all sorts, listen, you're going, to be dis- you're going to be disappointed. Because there's some things getting ready to be brought down, but he says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Notice the arrival of the King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and the horse and the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched toe. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. 
now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Can I revisit verse 18? Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Verse 19, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. On this Palm Sunday, here's what I want to say to you in a very quiet atmosphere this morning. There's a new thing coming. It's not going to look like it used to look. It's not going to sound like it used to sound. Get over that stuff. It doesn't matter. He says, don't don't consider the former things. Just know this. I'm going to do a new thing. What's the new thing he's going to do? It's not nothing really new. A new thing is this. He's going to bring forth and show forth his glory because he's getting ready to bring down an enemy again and he's going to let his church become pure again and there's getting ready to be a sound of a young generation that's going to cause some religious people to get sore displeased but there's a shout getting ready to come back and the shout is getting ready to set the stage for there to be the arrival of a king but he's not coming on a donkey this time but he's coming in the clouds of heaven and can I tell you, uh, look up because our redemption draws nigh. But listen, uh, we must labor while we still have time. Uh, There is a generation that needs Jesus this morning. uh, And you and I have him right here. Uh, We have freely received it. Therefore, we must freely give him. Oh, but how do you know that to be true, preacher? How is, are you just selling words to get us excited? No, I'm not doing that. I'm just giving you the word of the Lord this morning. Haggai chapter 2 verse 9 says this, The glory of this latter house shall be. Does it say might be, could be, possibly will be? It says shall be, meaning it is an absolute. The glory of this latter house absolutely will be greater than the former. Saith man, no, saith the Lord of hosts. Isn't it ironic that in this passage of scripture that it says not just the Lord, but it says the Lord of hosts, meaning this, it's a military term, meaning this, it's not coming as a prince of peace this time. He's coming as the line of the tribe of Judah. He is the military force in the heavenlies. Uh, And he's simply saying the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former because the Lord of hosts is on the scene. Uh, He is not entering in Jerusalem like he did before, but he's entering into the hearts of man and into the realm of the that man is living in. And he's going to give a display of his power and his authority. Listen, darkness is going to be dispelled uh, and life is going to enter in. Uh, Why should I be excited? Because that means this. Somebody's son, somebody's daughter, somebody's wayward child is going to find their way back home. That means that doctor's appointments are going to have to be canceled because of the healing virtue that comes. This morning on Palm Sunday, I wish somebody once again would begin to wave their branches and say, Gozana to the Son of the Most High God because the arrival of a king doesn't have to be tomorrow. It doesn't have to be next week, but it says whoever will call on him, he is able to come to where they are right now.
not here to celebrate a victory that man won, but we are here celebrating a victory that our God has won. Can I tell you, because he wins, we win. Because he is victorious, we are victorious. Because he is able uh, to do what he was called to do, you and I can stand in a place of assurance to this day, knowing this, that no weapon formed against us can prosper. As we stand all over the house this morning, the arrival of the king, the arrival of the king. Do you realize this morning how much you're really loved? Do you realize this morning how precious you really are in the eyes of God? I wish I could have delivered this morning how I feel it in my spirit, but today there's a world that's hurting. There's a world that's dying. And they don't know who he is. You and I, we don't only know who he is, but we walk with him. We talk with him. We dine with him. We wake up with him. We go to bed with him. And he's been so faithful and so good to us. But it's time for us to begin to share with the world who he really is. How do we do that? How do we create a noise in our city? Much like they did on this particular day. When you just get a glimpse of who he really is and you begin to proclaim Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, there's just something about that name. I don't know what you walked in here with today. Maybe everything in your life is wonderful. I celebrate that with you, if that's the case. But that's not true for everybody in this room. Some of you are weighed down. Some of you got some stuff going on in your life. Some things you don't even understand, how you ended up where you are. Can I tell you, he's not here in judgment this morning but he's here simply saying what he's always said come unto me all you that are heavy laden and I will give you rest he can give you rest this morning how many know sometimes you just need that peace and that rest just to settle down upon you because it just gets heavy Some of you, your mind is just so tormented, so clouded with so much stuff going on. That's not God's plan for you. But he wants you to just trust him today. You see, because of the proclamation that was made on Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago, you and I can stand in confidence today and know that he really is victory. He really is goodness. doesn't matter what's going on in your life can I tell you this if you try to fix it you'll make a mess out of it 
you take your hands off of it and just let God be God in your life, he'll take care of it. Amen. So this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. salvation if you're here we'll deal with that first of all if you never surrendered your life to the Lord where the Lord says today is the day of salvation call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved if you're not saved this morning we'd love to pray with you or if you're away from the Lord and you're not where you once was he's calling you and telling you come home come home we want to pray with you but if you're here today and you're saved and you surrendered your life to the Lord, but you'd say there's just some stuff going on in my life. I'm not necessarily going to ask you what that is this morning. But you'd say, I, my mind is just overwhelmed. My, my life is just, I'm just finding myself in a place that I just... I just need some peace. I just need some comfort. I just need some, I just need some victory in my life. I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand up and then you put it right back down all over this room. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Oh, he loves you this morning. He wants you to walk in victory. He paid the ultimate price so you can't have victory this morning. The enemies come to steal, kill, and destroy, but he says, I come that they can have life and have it more abundantly. You can walk out of here with abundant life today. If for any of those things that I mentioned today and you lifted your hand in this room, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you just to step from your seat and come stand in front of this building. I want to pray with you today. It's not a place of embarrassment, but this is a place of strength. The altar is a place where we come. It says in the word of the Lord that one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand. Today, there's strength in numbers in this house. God bless you. There was others in this room. I'm not trying to prolong, but... If you lifted your hands and you want prayer this morning, I want you to come right now. I want you to come. I believe the Lord is going to give you strength and he's going to give you healing today. We're here for you this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Saints of God, I'm just going to ask you to begin to pray with us right where you are. A couple of you ladies, if you come, women of God, if you come, stand behind these ladies. Get a couple of you brothers, a couple of you young men. Come up here and stand with me and pray with these young men right here. We're just going to pray as they just begin to worship the Lord today. I'm just going to take a moment. I'm just going to ask you to just stretch your hands this way if you would, those in the sanctuary. And we're just going to pray and believe God to meet these precious people right where they are. I'm going to decree and declare life over them today. Amen. Because
because there is victory in Jesus this morning. Pastor Jade here. I just want to thank you for watching the service with us today and being a part of it. We ask that you stay in touch with us. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And we'll see you again soon. We love you. So does God.